This extended interview is being published alongside a podcast on gender-affirming care for kids, which you can hear by visiting our website at hearmenowpodcast.org. You will also find there a directory of additional extended interviews on trans-related healthcare issues. Up next, Carmen Marshall talks with her friend Elby about their shared experiences as mothers of trans youth. This conversation is being archived at the National Folklife Center at the Library of Congress as part of the Hear Me Now Oral History Project, the largest collection of healthcare narratives in the country. Hi, I'm Carmen Marshall, and I'm Elvis. And Carmen and I met kind of recently, a couple months ago now, right? Yes. Um, at a support group that I run for parents of LGBTQIS plus um, kids. And uh, you started coming in sometime in the winter, so November, December. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I was basically kind of a brand new. Um, my my child had come out um, as transgender, um, fourteen year old boy at that point, um, just about a year before that. Um, so I just didn't know where to turn, who to talk to. Um, found LB's group online and um, became Facebook friends with her and um, just really needed that support and just didn't even know how to navigate the next step of my 14 year old, who I thought was a girl, <laughs> now told me that he, felt like a boy his entire life um and i think um there's a grieving period where you're like oh my gosh i no longer have a girl like and now what do i do what are the next steps what are the best things to do to keep your child happy and healthy and productive um and then also take care of myself at the same time. So LB has been really, really good about being a support for me in that area. Yeah, that's kind of the goal of the group is for parents to come and talk about the unique struggle that we face, um, <clears throat> excuse me, with LGBT kids um, in this society that we're raising them in and just how it can be um, a tough process for most parents. Um, there's a lot of grief involved usually. There's a lot of confusions, a lot of questions, the needing of resources. And so that's kind of what the group is about is just getting those parents together and letting everyone know that they're not alone in their journey and that um, the, the things that they're feeling and the things that they're, they're wondering, having doubts about are not unique just to them. Uh, the most important part is that you're showing up and that shows that you are supportive of your kid and that you want to learn and grow and understand. And so um, I feel really grateful to be able to give a safe space um, to other parents to be able to do that. And I think like one of the main issues that I was having is I didn't know who I could trust with the information because there's a lot of bad press right now um, that kind of says that if we're affirming, we're abusive parents, or if we decide to like medically treat our child who is under 18, 
that um, that we should be put in jail or something like that. So um, just telling other people in my life was so stressful. Um, and then I just didn't know if I was going to lose friends or my, you know, my parents wouldn't talk to me anymore or, you know, all of these relationships that are really important to me um, were kind of dangling by a thread. So um, it was just nice to be able to talk to somebody who's already been through it, already told people, and LB was, was that person. Yeah, I think um, I think it's really hard, especially finding other people within your own community um, that are not only understanding but safe to go to. We live in a pretty conservative city still, and uh, parenting, you know, is already this really isolating experience. You already kind of feel like, am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Am I messing up? Am I good enough? Um, especially with my experience, you know, as a mom, there's that that pressure of, you know, being mom enough. And so when you have something that further isolates you from your community, your kid is going through something bigger than a lot of people understand, um, you, you feel really lonely in that. And you need to find, if you're not going to have friends and family that step up and say, yeah, you were supportive, you know, you need to find family elsewhere. You need to find those connections somewhere because they're just imperative to what you're going through. And so LB was really my first person that I actually met in real life that um, <laughs> kind of helped me through this. Like I had joined a couple of Facebook groups and, um, you know, got different advice there and kind of found people that seemed to know what they're talking about. And then I called the doctor <laughs> and said, what do you do? And we were, you know, kind of in the pandemic at that point and I really didn't know like what to say, or I didn't know, should we go into the doctor's office? Cause it's kind of scary to do that right now. So um, I just called his regular doctor and they referred me to um, people in the community and I Googled people in the community um, that seem to be more friendly or have more knowledge about um, transgender healthcare, transgender gender, mental healthcare, because my child was suffering. Um, it took him a year to tell us. And this part's really hard because I figured he knew that how much we loved him, but he thought we loved him only as a girl. And I was super excited about having a girl. And I kind of reiterated that all through his childhood about like how much fun it is to have a girl or if, you know, someone was pregnant and they have found out it was a girl. I was like, oh, that's the funnest thing that has ever happened to me. I have a girl and you can dress them in pink and just all of this. And um, so all of these messages while he always felt like a boy. And there were clues along the way, but I just didn't pick up on them. Um, when he was about four or five, we, um, we were saying prayers and doing books and that kind of thing before he went to bed. And he expressed that he would like to be a boy or boys have more fun or something like that. 
And I asked him straight out, um, would, do you feel more like a boy than a girl? And I don't remember what he said, but I remember flipping off the light and thinking, I might have one of those kids. And that thought just never really entered my mind again. Um, but throughout his childhood, he kept saying things like, oh, it's so much better to be a boy. I wish I was a boy or different things. And I just thought, oh, you know, he's my only child. I don't know if that's normal or not. And I, and it wasn't a big enough concern for me to ask my girlfriends if their girls were asking those kind of questions. Um, so it was just um, very strange. And I dressed her just like ridiculous. I felt so sorry for her because she was really a boy. <laughs> and um, one day um, the babysitter and her were out shopping and um, they came home with the ugliest t-shirt I've ever seen in my life. Like black <laughs> with a wolf howling at the moon and it was awful. Like nothing that I would ever, ever put on my child. And I was so mortified. And that child wore that shirt every time they, every time they could. It was just kind of ridiculous. So there were so many clues along the way and I just, just didn't realize that that was a thing. So, um, yeah, so here we come to, he's 13 years old, he's going through female puberty, and he wants to tell us that he believes we're so invested in having a girl that we will kick him out of the house. And so this is kind of how I know that this is a real thing. If you think about, a, you know, an only child, you know, no source of income, um, only ever lived in this house, it, getting kicked out of your house with your pets and your toys and your iPad and, your, you know, all the things that you have as a child, um, he risked all of that to tell us that he was transgender and he expected that we would probably make him go, which is terrible. It makes me so upset. So at this point, um, I knew it was real. Like what, part of me just didn't want it to be real. And I was in the typical grief stage of denial, but I knew, I just knew it was real. He wouldn't have gone to that much risk <laughs> if it wasn't true. So I knew we needed some sort of medical intervention. And one of the things he said to me was, um, I have gender dysphoria. And so I Googled that and it's like severe angst over the fact that you do not have a body that matches your, um, who you are, to, that matches your spirit. So, um, you know, we are facing depression. I start looking at suicide rates that are, alarming for these kids and there's so many factors involved in that but one of them is the gender dysphoria so I really wanted to address the gender dysphoria yeah yeah um so I think there's this really common misconception even for the little bit that people do know about um transgender identities if they if they aren't transgender or they don't know someone who is um it's kind of this idea, I feel like, that a kid has to come out by a certain age, you know, really young, usually toddlerhood, and just kind of say, hey, here I am, 
you know, I'm a girl, which happened to be my child's experience. Um, but that's not really how it works for most people. It's actually really common and maybe even more common for um, transgender people to figure this out about themselves as they kind of hit puberty and in their teenage years. And um, so then parents go, wait, what, like this, how's my kid transgender? Like, I don't understand. I didn't, you know, I didn't see the signs. And sometimes parents can look back and they go, oh, you know, yeah, I did see the signs. Um, and other times there just weren't any. Maybe they, you know, presented entirely as their born gender and they, um, or their born sex rather. And, and like, there was no clue. Maybe there were a few clues here and there. Um, so a lot of parents come in this sort of shock and disbelief, like, is this even real? Is this even happening? Could my kid really mean this about themselves? Because I never knew, they never told us or, you know, and these are parents that are, you know, they're close to their kids. And so they're really um, blindsided by this sudden admission of like, no, I've never felt like I was in the right body, you know, and, and parents are devastated. Um, usually with themselves, you know, and I, and I don't see them devastated with their children. I see them devastated with themselves. Like, how did I not know sooner? I could have done so much more for my kid if I knew this, you know, before now. And um, so there's a huge grief process that includes that, you know, that guilt, like that parental guilt of have I failed my kid? Like, why did this take me so long? Did I not really know my kid like I thought I did? you know, um, all of that, like questioning. So what was your experience kind of with that process, that grief process? Oh gosh, the grief was, was crazy. I just, um, I went through absolutely every stage of grief that, that you have, like just disbelief, bargaining with God, just like, you know, help him change his mind or, you know, just everything that I could think of just I remember like it was right around Easter a year ago and I had just found out and I was reading that passage in the Bible where um, Jesus is asking God to take this cup from him because he knows he's going to be crucified in a few days and he's just praying so hard that he's sweating tears and, and blood and it's just awful. It's like a terrible, terrible passage about just anguish at what's coming forward. And um, I felt like that. I just felt so much anguish about the future. Um, I didn't know if my child was going to be discriminated against or um, what kind of surgeries might be involved or, you know, is he going to lose all his friends? You know, is suicide going to be, you know, that kind of ideation is going to be on his mind. You know, all of these things were just all of these kind of fear-based um, thoughts were going through my head and I'm just like you know God just take this cup from me and God was very clear that if I the only way that cup is going to go away is if my child goes away and I'm like that's not going to happen I'm going to swoop in and I'm going to figure out a way to deal with this um, and so kind of after that very clear message from God I stepped into trying to figure out what do I do now? And that's when I started, you know, calling doctors and seeing if anybody could see him. And because it was the pandemic, like waiting lists were, you know, nine months long and six months long. And 
you know, it was terrible. I, I couldn't get in to see anybody. And so I just made appointments and I said to Kyle, my son, um, I made appointments that like I'm stepping in the right direction. And I, that was enough for him at that point because what else could I do? I said, I'm doing the best I can, but it did give me time to kind of go through the rest of the grief process before I had to like step into a doctor's office and say, um, my girl um, actually is a boy. And can you change the records to, instead of Nola to Kyle? and change the pronouns from, you know, she, her to he, him. And can you try to consistently do that? And um, it, that to me took more courage than probably anything in my life, just having to go into a doctor's office and, and say that. And at one point, um, we went to the doctor, or I, I made an appointment and told him, you know, can you please call him Kyle and change his pronouns and all that. And they're like, well, we don't do that um, until you bring in a birth certificate with all the new, you know, name and all of that. And I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> and so we went to the doctor's appointment and they called him his old name. They miss, you know, gendered him all the way through from the person who called him, to the nurse, to the doctor, everyone. And I could see my child just beginning to hide away, start put his hoodie over his head, getting smaller and smaller. And as he's getting smaller and smaller, I'm getting angrier and angrier. And when the nurse left, I, I said to Colin, like, I am so sorry. I called, I advocated for you, and I failed. And um, he's like, it's okay, mom. But you knew it wasn't. Like, I just, I just knew it wasn't okay. So I came home and he went into his room. I went in my room and I cried. And I'm like, what do I do? And it was a Providence um, doctor. And I started Googling what does Providence, what do they say about transgender? people at Providence and I couldn't find anything. So I just started Googling like, who do you talk to if you're having kind of a human rights issue? And I ended up um, getting a hold of someone at the um, Institute for Human Hearing. And um, they got a hold of me right away. They said, I'm so sorry this happened to you. Um, let's see what we can do to fix this. And they were amazing. I got a call back from a local person who had already within days retrained all of her staff. And um, the next time we went to the doctor, our um, records said Kyle, he, him, and they've been so consistent about it ever since. So um, that's just one of the experiences in healthcare that that I've had that kind of started out negative, but ended up positive. And that's a credit to, you know, the Providence system. I think they're really trying to change the way they do things so that they can stay, you know, um, kind of close to what their, their vision statement is, which is like all people, just helping all people.
And I don't know, do you have any? Yeah, I think like all of that within, you know, about a year, year and a half that you went from being in this dark place of grief and just wondering, you know, is there any way around this? I like you wanted to support your kid, but you also didn't want them to have to carry this weight to, you know, a year and a half later and you're advocating for your kid in like the medical industry. Like that's why they call us the mama bears. That's why they call us the mama dragon because we fight fiercely for our children and their, and their rights. And, um, and it's so important to, to be that person that stands up and say, wait a minute, you said you couldn't call my kid by the name that they want to go by. Like that is life saving for kids to be acknowledged and recognized as the right name and pronoun. And so I just want to like tell you that I really admire how fast you came out, you know, claws out <laughs> ready to, and you're, you're gentle as I'll get out. Like, I think I'd be a lot more mean, but um, you, you came out and you're like, this is not okay. And I think you should give yourself like a ton of credit for that. I think Kyle sees that in you. I think you should see that in yourself that like, Hey, it took a little while to, to go through the grief process. Well, you're only human, you know, but when push came to shove, you were ready and prepared to do whatever it took, you know, to keep your kid alive and thriving. And that's all we're trying to do as parents of trans kids. We just want to keep our kids alive and thriving. We want them to live in a society where they're not tolerated, they're celebrated, but that feels a lot of times like wishful thinking, maybe in little pockets here and there, they're celebrated, but overall in society, they're not, they're hardly tolerated. Um, and we're not trying to push an agenda. We just want to keep our kids alive. Like we just want to see them living their best lives, loving themselves and thriving and seeing everything in them that we see in them. Like we're, we're their moms. Like this is, this is life or death for us. And I, I think it's really powerful that even with all that doubt of like, who's, who's going to be there? Who isn't like, it was never a question to you. You never wondered like, should I support my kid in this? Or would it be, you know, would it be right or wrong to do so? It just was like, this is my kid. I'm ready. Like, well, this is the journey we're going on. I'm not sure how to do it, but I, I know I'm going to take it regardless. And I think that's really commendable. So was there anyone in your life though, that you got that backlash from or that were, you know, dragging their feet or, or anything like that? Oh gosh. I was, terrified to lose people and I was always kind of a people pleaser you know making muffins and you know just always trying to do nice things for people and and liked that you know that um that people liked me and um once I started telling people and getting like one person <laughs> I sent them a letter just kind of explaining what's going on with our family and we had been kind of bantering back and forth before that. And I emailed them the letter and I never heard back from them again. <laughs> that was the last thing that they ever said to me. And at first I was like, this is kind of hurtful. And then I said, you know what? I don't want to be friends with people like that. Yeah. Um, you know, even if they don't understand or support what I'm doing, you can still give me support and friendship. 
and maybe learned a little bit about what's going on. Um, so I do have friends that are kind of, you know, inching their way along as far as educating themselves or me educating them because I'm a little bit um, like outspoken. <laughs> and, um, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I'm just not, not okay with people just dropping you because of your belief systems don't match up to theirs. Um, so yeah, I found that to be interesting. And I think there's kind of a continuum of support. Like you'll get the people that are so supportive. They have a niece or a nephew that have gone through this or, you know, that kind of thing. And then you get the people that are just not really calling you as much anymore, but they say they support you. Um, and then you get the people that just don't talk to you anymore. <laughs> you know, so there, there, there's a whole lot of, you know, strange things, you know, that are wrapped up in this journey. Um, and I'm okay with the people in the middle. They're the people that are more likely as they see us, like that quote, you know, it's hard to hate up close. Like as they see us go through this journey and we're still the same people and we're we're still kind, my child is still my child, the outside is starting to change, but he's still my child. He still is funny and goofy and creative and kind and loves Jesus and you know, and he's still the same kid. So once they kind of see that, the outer body doesn't seem to make as much difference, but it does take some time to educate those people in the middle. Yeah, so I was also wondering, like, we know each other, we know we're fierce mama bears, <laughs> um, but a lot of times there's some difficulty getting dads on board. So let's focus a little bit on like the Papa Bear. What was that like for your husband to hear this stuff from your kid and, and for you to say like, I'm supporting Kyle no matter what. So let's, let's do this. Yeah, well, we didn't tell dad for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I think his first clue may have been um, when Okay, so when he was Nola, he had this gorgeous, gorgeous blonde hair, beautiful, long blonde hair. It was my favorite, favorite quality as far as physical qualities of our child. Just like the color of wheat, you know, beautiful. And he kept asking me to get his hair cut. And, and I was saying there's no, um, you know, places open, so we can't do that. <laughs> But in my heart, I just didn't want to do it. I did not want to cut the hair. And um, one day we came back from doing something and his hair was a disaster. And I'm like, you know what? This is the day. I don't want to sit for two hours and try not to take all this mess. And so I just put it in a ponytail and chopped it off. And I'm not a hairdresser, obviously, because it was <laughs> not ready. <laughs> <laughs> and I put his hair in a little bag, and this is hard too. Like, I have it, like this weird Ziploc bag of a shrine to this person that I thought he was. And that's hard too, you know? Just little reminders of what you thought 
we're going to happen in the future. And I think that that's basically what grief is. Like if you lose a loved one, you're like, we were supposed to grow old together, you know? Um, so like part of me was, we're, you know, we're, I'm supposed to be the mother of the bride at her wedding and I'm supposed to welcome grandchildren someday. And so I had to kind of just, you know, go, that's ridiculous. You have no idea what the future would have held for your child. Um, but just because this is kind of the picture of the traditional American family, you know, you just go get married, have kids, whatever. That doesn't mean my child ever would have done that. My child would not, never picked up a doll, always in games. And when his cousin was like wanting to play family, he was always the dad and he was just like, I'm going to work, you know, just like not, um, definitely not a nurturing kind of <laughs> personality. And, um, even if he would have never come out as transgender, I don't think he ever would have been a mother. Um, so just kind of putting away kind of these ridiculous notions that you have about an actual individual that can make their own choices as an adult. So once I, um, once I realized that my picture wasn't even his picture and it was a lot easier to put that away, but there's, like I said, whenever you kind of lose your picture of what you think things are going to be like, um, you go through a grief process. So, so we cut the hair, <laughs> back to the main story. We cut the hair, my husband came home from work and looked at me like, what the heck just happened? And I'm like, smiling and isn't he cute it's kind of a shaggy bob right and he just looks at me like he wants to throw up but like he is so distressed over the fact that i just took this beautiful quality <laughs> and just massacred it <laughs> and all well so that was his first clue and that was probably two or three months after um kyle had told me and he told me to promise not to tell his dad. And um, I told him while I was cutting his hair, like, can we at least hint around to it? <laughs> and he was feeling better about that. So I was able to tell my husband that night that he's kind of feeling more like a boy than a girl, hun. And um, I just let that kind of roll around for a while, <laughs> probably a couple of weeks. We didn't really discuss anything for a couple of weeks and then just slowly started to introduce what I was going through as a mom in the last few months, kind of keeping it from him. And we're really a, like a close couple. Like we tell each other every stupid thing that happens every day. So um, for me to keep that from him as long as I did was really, really difficult, but I was still having the same anxiety. Like, what if he's like, this isn't happening? And I knew it was. I knew that I would die for my child. Like, I will, I will go to all ends of the earth to make sure that my child is healthy, happy, productive, has a good life, you know? And um, I didn't know if he was going to be on board. And he was a lot slower. <laughs> a lot slower. It still is. Isn't quite... Like once I decided to get on board, I was pretty 100% um, 
what is the best way to a keep my child alive like that's not that's not setting the bar very high um and then a little bit higher bar would be productive happy not depressed um and just like what everybody wants for their kids to you know be able to have a career and a family if they want to and um a partner you know all these things that are a no-brainer for people who have cisgender kids that grow up and and start their lives in a normal sort of way and so i just feel like you know i i had to kind of educate my husband along the way and we still fight over <laughs> things like hormones and we can talk about that too <laughs> yeah why don't you talk about that what's that been like um we went to a local doctor gender doctor um and she's amazing and um she said you know to start relieving the dysphoria um if we would have known earlier we could have put him on um puberty blockers which gives you more time but because he panicked right at puberty when he started um realizing that his body is changing in a way that is ridiculously distressing to him um he still took a year to tell us and possibly if he would have told me when it became that uncomfortable for him we could have put him on hormone blockers and just kind of um had a little more time to process but he was already over this line where he had you know developed you know and the doctor said you know puberty blockers aren't really an option if you want him to you know start transitioning to be more like what he feels inside you're gonna have to start hormones and i was freaking out inside and kyle was in the doctor's office with me and i'm like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> and you know all the consent forms and everything and then um we had to get dad to sign them and he looked at you know all the information on the consent form and he's like i don't know if i want to do this and um i'm like okay these are our choices <laughs> we can have a really unhappy suicidal child because he had already kind of expressed that kind of thing or we can just do this like what what's the big deal and then we also talked to trans families and um there was another guy who was going through the same thing which was really nice and he's like it's like putting your daughter on birth control pills it's a hormone like so many people don't have any problem with that but once you start you know giving a little hormone of the other gender um people start getting up in arms but we don't have any laws against you know 15 or 16 year old girls getting on birth control but there's all this legislation about you know as treating our children for the things that are ailing them um with the hormones because of the stigma or it's just you know plain bigotry against things that they don't understand somewhere along the line they you know thought that it was some kind of religious thing which i'm a christian and i don't remember jesus saying anything about the outside of your body, you know, 
he was very concerned about your spirit. He's very concerned about the content of your character. Um, but he, I don't, I never saw any, I've never seen anything in the Bible that worried about your outsides. Yeah, so I think there's like these kind of two major misconceptions in society. And one is that like hormone blockers are for these really young kids, like 10 and 12 and um, that's when hormone blockers are usually given, yes, to prevent the uh, biological puberty from happening, but they're completely reversible. Um, we're not we're not changing our kids' sex when they're, you know, little, you know, not even preteens yet. Like hormone blockers are completely safe and completely reversible, first of all. The other really common misconception for people, is that you can just walk into your pediatrician's office and say, oh, we're starting my child on testosterone today, and they'll write you a script and send you on your way. There's a process. Um, it is not that easy. In fact, it's really quite difficult to get to that point. Um, kids are usually in therapy. Kids are usually seeing this um, specialist for a while, uh, making sure that the diagnosis is correct before they, they uh, prescribe these uh, hormone replacements and um, so it's it's hard to go up against this belief that society because they just don't know just in general people just don't know if they haven't been the ones doing it you know they don't know and so they're up in arms over these complete falsehoods of, of what this process is like for us so I know you've been really open with your um, your story and, and the process and stuff like that do you have like friends and family who go like, wow, I had no idea it was like that. Do you, do you uh, surprise people sometimes when you tell them everything that it entails to support a transgender child? Oh, yeah. And kind of backtracking to what you said about this is a process. Before we were able to even get on the hormones, we had a psychologist make sure that um, he wasn't insane. <laughs> and then we also had um, a counselor work with him and this doctor, they all sort of worked together um, to make sure that he really felt this way. And it was funny because his doctor said, you know, I talk to kids a lot and sometimes I'm not 100% sure that this is a real thing. And I am honest with people, but Kyle, on the other hand, he's a little neurodiverse, so um, he just isn't untruthful. You know, he just always tells the truth. Um, good, bad, ugly, um, offensive, <laughs> he tells the truth. And um, and she said, I, I'm like 99.9% uh, .9 sure your child will never detransition. And I know that there's a few detransitioners out there, but they're like maybe like 1% of all of the people who go on to lead these healthy, happy lives as their true selves. Um, so when we you know, kind of got this, all of the letters and everything from the psychologist and the counselor and every, and the doctor, they all agree that this is really like pretty much the, <laughs> there was no doubt that this child is transgender and is a boy in, in every way except for the physical qualities. And so 
you know, if there was a chance that someday he wanted to detransition, they said, oh, all this stuff isn't reversible. But really, with cosmetic surgery and everything else out there, right. you know, if he ends up getting top surgery and he wants to put boobs back on, girls are getting boobs all the time. Right. Um, and so it's kind of interesting to me that people are so concerned about people's breasts when they're like buying their girlfriend's new boobs for Christmas, you know? Um, and then this isn't just like, you know, to look better or it's a life-saving procedure that makes them feel more like themselves. Um, so I don't, you know, all of this, all of these medical things are to me kind of a non-issue where <laughs> you just do what your child needs so again, just be happy, productive, healthy, um, and not want to off themselves. I mean, it just seems very clear to me that you do what your child needs to get to a place in their lives where they can be a productive member of society. Yeah, so I think, like, that's the thing. If, uh, if your child goes to the doctor for whatever reason and they get diagnosed, with something, you go to the follow-up appointments, you start looking into treatment, you start looking into the medications that they need. Like you just take those steps naturally as a parent, you know, um, and this really isn't any different. This is a medical issue and we treat it that way. We take it seriously. We get our kids the care that they need. And we're not just going out there you know, like, oh, sure, try this on my kid or do that to my kid. Or, I mean, it's a scary process because you want to know, you want to know that you're doing things that are safe for your child. And that's why there's this whole team involved. It's not just you and, and one pediatrician or you and one therapist. Um, there's a whole team. The kids have medical teams um, and it's involved and it's a lot of information, but we're just doing I think what any parent does, and that's just get my kid thriving in their life, just meet these needs and, and let them just leave them alone. Like just, just let them live their lives, just leave them alone. Um, has there been a big difference that you've noticed in Kyle since, you know, around the time of before uh, he came out to you and now a year and a half into the journey? Definitely that year that he wasn't telling us what was going on. Um, Kyle and I were always very close. Um, and he's my only. I just really like put all my time and energy into him because I wanted a huge family and it just never happened. So poor kid, I was just always there hovering. <laughs> Every night we would read books and talk. And because he's neurodiverse, there was a lot of making sense of the world that we just did every night. Um, things that happened at school that he didn't kind of understand the social aspect of it. And I would say, well, this is probably what happened tomorrow. Why don't you give them a sticker or something and, and just, um, you know, try to mend whatever, you know, offense you, you probably did, you know? And so every night for years. And so this year that he wasn't telling me this, he, I, he just wasn't being open with me. And I just kind of, told myself that, okay, well, you know, he's 13, he doesn't, you know, want mama knowing all his business, and it's probably time that I backed off, so I would go in for, you know, a smaller amount of time, 
um, which my husband was really happy. I got to like hang out with him more. <laughs> and so we're like, oh, he's finally growing up, you know. Um, but he just seemed sadder and sadder as the year went on. And I had asked him if there was something, you know, wrong. And then the pandemic hit and everything was wrong. So he just assumed that it was wrong because you weren't seeing your friends and you weren't going to school and you weren't busy and, you know. So I just was blind to the fact that he was hurting and um, hurting over more than just, you know, the loss of all of the things that happened to these kids during the pandemic. Um, but as soon as he told me, and I told him that the that's the most ridiculous thing in the world <laughs> that you that I would kick you out. And he's like, "But mom, you wanted a girl. You wanted grandchildren. You wanted, you know, to dress me in pink and all of this." <laughs> I'm like that is, yeah, I wanted that, but that's not. I want you. I want whatever you, who you are what you are the gender doesn't make any difference to me i had you and i'm in love with you and i don't care what gender you are i just care that you and i have a relationship and and that we love each other and that you're here and almost immediately our relationship kind of went back to just talking about everything again and it wasn't that he was <laughs> going through puberty and didn't want to connect with me, it's because we had this space between us. And um, once he knew that there was there was no way I would ever kick him out, um, he, we, it was fine. And as we've started the hormones and he's looking, his voice is starting to get a little bit deeper, more boyish, and we've like really cut the hair like in a real boy manner and but did you let someone else <laughs> cut the hair this time <laughs> yes we have okay. someone else cut the hair a professional <laughs> and just you know i went shopping with him let him pick out you know clothes that were appropriate for a teen boy and he presents now as a boy and he's just so much more comfortable in his skin and he mentions that a lot like he'll you know, kind of look back at the past and, and say, oh, you know, I was running around on the playground as a, you know, second grader. And I remember just having this feeling of I'm different. I feel uncomfortable in my body. Um, I don't know how to relate to people. Just very strange feelings that he couldn't put his finger on either. And um, until he came across information about transgender people and he's like oh my gosh that's me that is me i'm having gender dysphoria that's what's wrong with me and it was such an aha moment that he wasn't able to share with me because he was afraid because there was also that message out there that um people kick their kids out and that's true they do that and they can't even imagine that is ridiculous and um a lot of it is under the guise of um jesus doesn't want this or god doesn't want this or you know i'm just like god wants you to love your kids that's ridiculous <laughs> so that to me was was you know I, I would never take my kid out and now 
Ellie has always known him as kind of a boy because Ellie and I just met about, oh gosh, six months ago and she met him at Easter and he looks like a boy and I'm thrilled about it. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I didn't know him in the past and so I can't see past the fact that he's just a your usual awkward teenage boy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's definitely, that's who Kyle is, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, and the first time her children met my boy, um, they just got along so good, and he doesn't, he wasn't like, I'm a teenager, and you guys are littler. They all just played and had fun and pulled him around in a wagon in our backyard, and he's just a really great person. Yeah. And to me, that's what really matters. Yeah. 